Thanks to all of you uh, for being with us. 800-941-SEAN is our number. You want to be a part of the program as we uh, roll along here. A lot of ground to cover today. I mean, just a lot. And uh, so glad you could be with us. It, it is very fun and it is entertaining, but it's also a sign of the times that we live in, how sick and ugly and twisted the media mob is. And that, you know, you, you, you look at something as simple as the Democrats and their position on elections, H.R. 1, S.R. 1. Why is it that Democrats have been so fighting so hard, have been so passionate about the issue of H.R. 1, S.R. 1? Why is it they don't want any voter identification? Now, they, they're, they're now backing away from that position in large part because polls are now showing that an overwhelming number of the American people support voter ID. As a matter of fact, Monmouth University, their poll shows that 91% of Republicans support voter ID, 87% of Democrats, 62, uh, uh, 87% of independents, 62% of Democrats, and 84% of minorities in America support voter ID laws. I've said I just want to have integrity in our election system. I don't want an advantage for one side over another. I just want free and fair elections with integrity in which we'll have confidence in the results. After 2000 and, and that debacle down in Florida with swinging and hanging and, and perforated and, and dimpled and pimpled chads, well, Florida had to change their, their election laws to bring integrity back to the system. Can anyone say with any level of confidence that we know for sure that only 537 votes separated uh, uh, George W. Bush from, from Al Gore? Do we know for a fact that those numbers are, that's the exact number? Or is it likely we'll never really determine what the final number is because of the problems that they had? And we had problems in 2016 down in Florida. They had to be fixed also. And then in 2020, the elections down in Florida went as smoothly as possible. A lot of states, they have no problems with their elections. Then, then you have states where there are problems. But, you know, Democrats, they're, they're fighting against, with, with great passion, especially against voter ID laws. They're fighting against signature verification. They're fighting against updating every election, the voter rolls, to make sure they're, they're just up to speed, up to date. They're, you know, make sure that, that they are accurate and reflect the current electorate. What's wrong with that? Most states have laws that guarantee that partisan observers can watch the voting from start to finish. That didn't happen in 2020. It should happen. That's simple. That's basic. We're understanding now that apparently even the Secretary of State of Georgia, who made that idiotic consent agreement that created two voting standards, one for mail-in ballots, which was far less rigorous than in-person standards, voting standards, and, and they tried to fix these problems. But after they, these issues came up, Democrats went out in droves and, and they just trashed the idea of having voter ID. Here's his Democrats attacking it. Listen. What I mean by rigged is this. We have a right to vote in the United States that is afforded to eligible American citizens. But we have seen over the last 20 years a constriction on who has the right to use that right. 
We have seen it through voter ID laws. You can't get on the rolls, and if you get on the rolls, you can't stay. These laws are a blast from the Jim Crow past, and they have no place in 21st century America. Discriminatory laws and laws that were designed to suppress folks' rights to vote. Instituting photo ID laws that on the surface sound good. If you poll the average American, they'll say, yeah, well, well but in practice, it, uh, that's not always easy to do. At the moment, what's going on about voting rights is downright evil. With these unnecessary and unjustifiable voter ID laws. It becomes a poll tax because you don't know what form of ID the government will ask you. The other restriction well, that I... a poll tax? It's a, how do you call it? How do you say it's a it's poll tax? It's a modern-day poll tax. When they're trying to make voting harder and harder... Dealing with these voter ID laws, this is not about voter verification, this is about voter suppression. You suggested that voter suppression is more insidious now in 2019 than it was even in the 60s. How so? We have always struggled with voter suppression. Republicans claim they're making it easier to vote and harder to cheat in an election. In reality, they're making it harder to vote and easier to cheat in an election. And we all know it. It is the most pernicious thing. This makes Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle. Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle. Jim Crow 2.0. Now, you know, take, you know, look at the source. You got a guy that praises segregationist Joe Biden. You got a guy that partnered with the former Klansman that filibustered the Civil Rights Act of 64, the Voting Rights Act of 65, it was Republicans that, that helped Lyndon Johnson pass both of those historic laws uh, because people like Al Gore's father and, and people like uh, Joe Biden's best buddy didn't want it to come to pass. And then Joe, pa- Joe partners with the former Klansman because he doesn't want integration of public schools and he doesn't want school busing. He didn't want public schools to become racial jungles. Amazing how he's never asked that question by the mob, by the media out there. Just like a lot of questions they don't ask in the mob and the media. Uh, We've always had voter ID uh, qualifications. How, and and Joe's state is the most restrictive. They don't have 17 days early voting. They don't have drop boxes. They don't have no excuse uh, absentee ballots. He's done nothing to make, make the laws and make it easier and accessible for the people of Delaware. Georgia did simple, simple, fundamental checks and balances, voter ID. You needed to get into the White House, the Capitol. You needed to buy a six pack of beer. You needed to buy a bottle of wine, uh, a jewel pod or a pack of cigarettes. But you don't need it to vote. And about and people that strangers can go around collecting ballots with, with without any any integrity measures put in place that you have people from. Uh, every party watching the process, that, that's not going to fly. Why didn't Joe ever ever lift the restrictive laws in the state of Delaware? He's now hurt, along with Stacey Abrams and Raphael Warnock, he's hurt the people of Georgia. Losing Major League Baseball's All-Star game, costing the Georgia economy $100 million. Calling the people of Georgia pretty much racist. Meanwhile, their new laws far more inclusive and less restrictive by every by every measure than Delaware, and the media, the mob, the New York Times and company, they don't lift a finger to tell the American people the truth, 
And when Joe and others were calling it Jim Crow 2.0 and it's making it harder for people to vote, harder than ever, that they're just lying to you. These are basic measures to ensure integrity in the election process and confidence in election results. It's as simple. This is fundamental. It's not a big deal. The American people, yes, polled. Barack Obama is right about that. But, you know, you needed voter ID to vote for him in 2008 and 2012. And he got elected in both those elections. You know, now they're all denying. Stacey Abrams is actually denying the things that she said. Same with Raphael Warnock. Joe Biden's been a lot a lot more quiet on Jim Crow 2.0 now that the polls are coming out against their radical voting law, which it seems that's about to die. And we'll find out more from Senator Marsha Blackburn later in the program. But it seems like a lot of their agenda now is is falling apart. You know, it's it's where is the media on all of these things? The mob and the media, they, they themselves, they have an agenda. Obama can push as much as he wants. He's been out there pushing for voting rights while claiming he's not weighing in on on issues involving D.C. Oh, OK. You know, Democrats now are saying they're going to go along with the mansion bill. According to reports, I've not seen it. It's similar to the law in Georgia, but. You know, I'm sure it doesn't have what most people want or what we would need. The five things I mentioned are, are simple, they're basic, and they're fundamental. There's nothing restrictive. As a matter of fact, I don't care how many days they have early voting, if that's what the states want, because the Constitution is clear that state legislatures, they'll determine the time, the manner, the place of voting in their state. The fact that they want to nationalize, federalize elections, that doesn't surprise me either. You know, they want the biggest power grab in the in the in the history of the federal government. I mean, the idea that the federal government now, as a as a matter of policy, chooses to ignore. Our immigration laws, and not only do they ignore them, I mean, imagine if you ignored certain laws, what do you think would happen to you? You don't get to pick and choose which laws you're going to obey and which laws you're not going to obey. Then they're facilitating the law breaking. They're just processing illegal immigrants. They're not stopping them from coming in at all. They process them. They got rid of the stay in Mexico policies. They stopped building the border wall. They brought back catch and release, except basically it's it's catch register and and release with no date to go to court. And now they're even going as far as flying in families from other countries if somebody enters this country illegally. So not only is that person rewarded for not respecting our laws, our sovereignty and our borders, but now the whole family will benefit from the law breaking. And then they're shipping a lot of people, illegal immigrants, to states in the dark of night. And they're basically saying to the states, you've got to provide the food, the shelter, the health care, the education, which states can no longer afford. I mean, what if states started in a very compassionate way, putting people, transporting people just like Joe and Kamala are doing after they take them out of the cages that they've been putting them in? And what if states decided to similarly, like Joe and Kamala, transport people right back to Washington and D.C. and maybe they can bring them and walk them right up to the White House and say, here, they brought you in. They're responsible for you. They'll take care of you. And let Joe and Kamala handle the problem they themselves created. The idea that they're putting this unfunded mandate on states 
and causing states to be accomplices in their aiding and abetting a law-breaking, you know, something that I never thought would happen in the United States of America. Our Constitution is the foundation of our rule of law. Well, that's facilitating law-breaking and aiding and abetting those people that didn't obey the laws and, and respect our, our borders and our sovereignty. I'm not against uh, immigration, just the opposite. I support legal immigration. I think there should be some criteria, nothing too, too onerous for people. The criteria should be, one, in the age of COVID, you've, you've got to prove that you're healthy. Two, a background check that you would pay for so we don't find that you have radical associations. And three, if you're going to get one of the highly coveted you know, opportunities to come to America, you, you need to be able to show that you're going to be able to financially take care of yourself. I don't find that too onerous in any way, shape, manner, or form. I just don't. I don't, you know, I'm, why anybody would be against any of this. I, the only thing I can think of is that they've got, they're the ones that have nefarious intentions. Somehow they think that their opportunity to rig the system will go away. Laws were not followed. Partisan observers didn't observe in 2020. The state constitution was not obeyed in Pennsylvania. Laws in Wisconsin were not followed. The consent agreement created two systems of voting in Georgia, one with very lax standards for mail-in balloting and one with very rigorous standards if you voted in person in Georgia. Those are just facts. And as a result, people didn't have confidence in the, in the outcome of the election. We need to stop that. We need to have confidence in the outcome. We need integrity every step of the way. We need to make sure we have chain of custody controls so that one side can't tamper with ballots just just to keep everybody honest it's not that complicated i find stories like these that i'm about to tell you fascinating i told you remember down in florida uh, i think it was a mcdonald's offering 50 bucks just for anybody that would come in to be interviewed because of the the extra unemployment benefits many people have decided to just wait it out till the benefits are finished and you know, all these jobs are available and, and employers can't find the employees to fill them, which is a which has been a problem. Um, Washington Examiner uh, has a great piece out today. And if you think there's no connection, by the way, with skyrocketing inflation and Biden paying workers all this extra money not to work. Well, a Texas food chain, a fast food chain is selling shelling out fifty thousand dollars salaries for teenagers and those in their early 20s to manage their restaurants. Now, the CEO, the guy's name is Garrett Reed of Lane's Chicken Fingers, sat downtown in the labor market, stymied his company's growth, forced him to dish out large salaries for workers that would normally make about 12 bucks an hour entry-level jobs after promoting them to, to managerial positions. He said it's the biggest challenge we small companies now face, our ability to grow is that we don't have a big enough labor force. There's only so much I can pay and remain profitable without raising prices too much. By the way, add that to the higher gas prices. That means you pay more at the pump, more to heat and cool your home, and more for everything you buy because everything costs more to be delivered to every, every store you you go to. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Kamala. All right, 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program uh, Linda, we have Curtis Sliwa coming on later today. Curtis is a friend of mine. He's been a friend of mine for years. 
Um, we all wor- we worked together for many, many years. Um, he had a hit morning show, Curtis and Kuby. It was a big hit for years in New York City. And he's now running for mayor. He's a founder of the Guardian Angels. And he, I, I, did you ever notice, I don't know if this, if you've experienced what I've noticed. The Guardian Angels have been around now for decades. And Curtis founded this group and he trains anybody that wants to join. They, they don't carry any weapons. They learn self-defense. They learn how to protect people. Um, and, you know, at different times it's been deemed controversial because some mayors don't want, you know, this is a vigilante group. No, it's not. The, when, when I used to ride the subways regularly and I saw Guardian Angels, I kind of liked it because I knew there was somebody there that would step in and try and help if something happened on a, on a subway platform or in a subway car. Um, I see them all over the place. Linda, how many times have you yourself, because I don't take the subway like I used to. I used to take it. Uh, now, and about half of New, about 80% of New York City, if they see me and identify me, they get triggered. Like I, I'm like a flash mob, you know, point of interest at this point. It's gotten so bad with a billion dollar cut to the NYPD. And I'm pre- don't, wouldn't you say it's a fair statement to say that I'm pretty much canceled in New York City? That's a fair statement, right? Yeah, I would say that's fair. Yeah, but people don't know what you look like. But you, So you still take the subway, but not as much as you used to. I take the subway a lot. I will tell you, in the last six months, it's been really, really scary on the subway. It's scary. I mean, there's all these reports... What, you know, these crazy people, homeless people, criminals do, because we don't have bail in New York. You get arrested for robbing a bank, they just let you out. And if you arrest, rob another bank, they'll just let you out again. If you're part of the rioting against police and you're caught throwing bottles and bricks and Molotov cocktails uh, at cops, they just release you. I mean, that's how dumb this has gotten. Now New York, apparently, in, in numerous districts... They've, they've decided even people on videotape committing acts of arson and looting. We know who they are. We have videotape. We have pictures of them. And they're not going to prosecute any of them. Is they're just too busy pouring over Donald Trump's tax records to bother getting criminals that are a danger to other people off the streets. Um, but how many times... Have you run into either a guardian angels and or Curtis in the subway system? So before I tell you that answer, can I tell you something really funny that he texted me? So I reached out to him and I'm like, listen, I need to have you on primary day tomorrow. Yada, yada. Right. By the way, and and he's running as a Republican and Mm -hmm. I've endorsed him for mayor. Yes. And I want him to win the primary today. I think he's going to win the primary, but polls are open till nine. He'll Mm -hmm. join us later in the program. I'd like to see him win. Because mm-hmm. he's running on a platform called Refund the Police, and he wants to hire 3,000 more police officers, which would make the city safer. Mm-hmm. Which is just common sense, but go ahead. But, I mean, he has worked alongside the police for a very long time. I think that's the part of the Guardian Angels that a lot of people don't understand, is that you have somebody here. He's not trying to, to be like them. He's just trying to support them and help them when they can't be everywhere all at once, because... New York City is a very small place, but it's got a lot of drama, a lot of crime, and as many good people are here, there's a lot of bad people. And that's just the way it is in a lot of places, but New York City kind of takes the cake on that. But he was really funny, and he texted me, and then he said, when we shouted him out on the air yesterday, he was like, I literally couldn't go anywhere without somebody telling me about it. And he he said, 
I want to give a shout out to, to Sean, you know, please tell him, I can't even say it like him, the rocked rib, rock rib, all American conservative from conservative Franklin Square, Long Island. <laughs> of reason. Yeah. I'm like, he texted so, it to me and I was like, good Lord. There were so many good guy. people we used to work with and, and are, mm-hmm. are, were friends with and still are. I mean, but the, pro- but the problem is those people like him now are a necessity. I mean, I've been mugged three times in New York City, two times on the subway when I first mm-hmm. moved here. And what I can tell you is in the last six to eight months, and Katie and I were talking about this because, you know, there weren't a lot of people here and you're riding the subway and you're alone, you know, yep. and then it's just like you and a bunch of vagrants, people that are defecating on the subway, they're bleeding. Um, and then there's workers that like, they're not hired to clean that up. They're hired to keep the subway clean, but like there's a fine line, you know? And so de Blasio's done a horrible job. And and somebody like Curtis that actually rides the subway I actually mean, knows what's going on. You I know? used to finish my, my late night show over at the ex-radio wife and in New York, my, my former New York affiliate. And now I'm on the all new 710 WOR. I'm honored to be here. But anyway, and it'd be two in the morning and he's riding the subway and his radio show started at 5 a.m. And he'd ride it all night. I mean, and I, I can't tell you how many times I ran it. I'm like, what the hell are you doing on this thing? Um, and, and he did it. He's committed to it. He's done it now for decades. Uh, you know, the, the problem that Curtis will have, and I think he's going to win the primary today. I hope he does. I want, I want him to. Is that New York Democrats outnumber Republicans nine to one. And it's worse now because people that maybe would have considered, you know, voting for like what the people that voted for Rudy and Rudy got independence and Rudy ended up getting Democrats. And especially when he ran the second time is that a lot of them have left. So it's even it's even harder. And it's always been an uphill battle. And it's even the newspapers. They only want to act like there's a Democratic primary going on and there's a Republican primary going on. And. If you refund the police and you hire more police and you institute, Rudy already laid out the roadmap and and Curtis acknowledged as much with Rudy yesterday that he'd re, he'd just implement those policies again. You know, New York could come back and could come back very quickly and it would be a place once again where, where families can walk and, and it would be safe and it would be secure and you wouldn't be harassed and you'd be able to go on the subway and you'd have protection you know, but I I just don't know. I, I'm wondering I, I, if New York become that radicalized that it's it's already been an uphill battle. Right, and but Eric you got to think about how they're going to get to the polls. We got people walking down the street getting mm-hmm. shot. We got Scary. elderly people getting robbed of their canes in a bodega. Nothing, what, no, nothing makes what me is angrier than these these daylight attacks against elderly there seems to be this rise in in hate crimes against Asian Americans. You remember, you it's know, it's not just tape? Asian Americans. It's it's, every, it's, it's Hasidics. It, they they're they're taking Hasidics, right. you know, religious of hats off their heads. I know it, it's really bad. It's really bad, and and their disrespect towards the cops. I blame Comrade De Blasio for it. Um, and I know people around the country are wondering, well, why are you talking about this? Because it's happening in Portland, and it's happening in Seattle. And it's happening in San Francisco. It's happening in small cities and towns all across the country. It's happening everywhere. All the, you think of Seattle, Portland, 
Minneapolis, you think of New York, Vegas even. It's happening everywhere. And the only place that it's not happening are states that are committed to law enforcement, like Florida, like South Dakota, Montana, you know, red states, Alabama. It's not happening down in Alabama. It's not happening in Florida. It's not happening in Texas. Texas's biggest problem is at the border. And, and Joe is forcing that problem onto Texas and the rest of the country. Um, anyway, so we'll have him on later. Now, Biden's tax proposal, Fox Business had a piece out today. Now, on top of you paying more for everything because of inflation, and not to belabor a point, uh, we have the Fed Reserve Chair, Jerome Powell. He's saying today, again, that, yeah, inflation is going up notably, his words. Inflation has increased notably in recent months. Yeah, 5%? It's the highest in, what, 15 years? Just like the influx of illegal immigrants, the highest in, what, 20, 25 years. Then the price of gas, and now our dependence again on countries like Russia and countries from the Middle East that hate us for the lifeblood of our economy. Gas prices now averaging, what, $1.20 more than when Donald Trump was in office. Joe hasn't been there that long, and it's only going to get worse. More to fill your tank, heat and cool your home. And you pay more for every everything you buy in every store you, you go to. Everything costs more. And then it goes even further in this article. You know, well, if you you, you don't pay a penny unless you're making over $400,000 a year. No, that's $400,000 per couple. It's $200,000 a year. Then everybody's paying more for energy and everything they buy. That's a tax. Then the corporate tax is going to be passed on. This is... This is simple economics 101. This is not complicated MIT, uh, you know, Harvard Business School economics we're talking about here. The natural gas that we have a glut of, yeah, that now because of Joe's policies, that's all drying up. Power plant fuel costs twice now what it did at the start of the year, which means higher utility bills thanks to Joe's policies. You know, uh, you know, Joe gives a waiver to Vladimir Putin and fires guys at the Keystone Pipeline. Tell me how that works. Could it have anything to do with, with Joe and Hunter and Hunter making money with zero experience from Russian oligarchs and Kazakhstan oligarchs and Ukrainian Burisma with no experience and China? Because it certainly seems connected to me. You know, suspending oil drilling leases in Alaska. That's a disaster for the people of Alaska. And I haven't heard a word out of Lisa Murkowski. Nothing. I'm, I'm not supporting her in the primary. I'm supporting this woman, Chewbacca. I liked her. She seems like she'll make a great senator from, from uh, Alaska. If she gets elected, maybe we'll go up there one day. Um, and, you know, one other side note to all of this, you know, the entire left wing and their aim to defeat, uh, you know, another pipeline well, now they're getting pushback from Native American business leaders that are defending the construction. The guy's name is Matt Gordon. He's the vice president of his family's construction company, and it's in Minnesota. He's a member of the White Earth Nation tribe. I've never heard of them, but he's a, mem he's a Native American. Was troubled by environmental protesters, some claiming to speak for Native Americans, 
They vandalized his company's equipment. And they're among many, apparently, native-owned companies contracting with Canadian firms to build these pipelines. And now they're losing their entire livelihood. Well, we want you to get a better job. Is that what, what Joe and Pete Buttigieg are going to tell us? We've given up our sovereignty. This, the worst impact is not even the financial impact. It's also our national security issues involved with this. Because these countries now that we're going to have to depend on once again for energy, most of them hate us. Putin hates us, and a lot of countries in the Middle East hate us. You know, you got to face facts. Like, I acknowledge yeah, probably 75, 80% of New Yorkers see my face and there's a, a visceral reaction because they don't like my politics. That's why I'm kind of canceled in New York City. That's why I got to get the hell out of here. I'd rather go somewhere where I meet people that like me. I'm not liked here. If you're one of those conservatives that are pro-life and anti-abortion and and believe in the right to keep and bear arms. Uh, you're not a problem New- is not no, 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 me. I don't want to hear him. I want to do it my way. You are not a New Yorker, and you don't, and we don't want you here. Well, you want my money because you take an awful lot of it every year. I actually have my my accountants go back and look. I couldn't believe it. I pay a fortune in taxes to to New York State. Pay a fortune in property taxes. What to be hated? To be canceled? To have to worry if I stepped in a restaurant that, you know, a flash mob is going to appear because they cut the the NYPD budget by a billion dollars and police are scared to death to even confront lawbreakers because they, they know they're not going to get the backing of this dopey mayor. I mean, that that's that's about as canceled as you can be. Anyway, eight hundred nine four one Sean, if you want to be a part of the program. Why is the, um, you know, this guy, I guess, what's his name? Senator uh, Whitehouse. Is that his name? Guy from uh, Rhode Island. I love Rhode Island. It's a beautiful state. I lived there five years. Anyway, he uh, apparently belongs to a club, an elite all-white beach club. I mean, do we? is that written in, like, their policy? Do we know? Apparently, they've known about this for years. And he refuses to give up his membership. But yet he's out there lecturing everybody to cry systemic racism in the George Floyd case or the Breonna Taylor case. But yet he hangs out at what's called the Bailey Beach Club and has been hanging out there for decades. And what, it's a 124-year-old club. Um, And while they, quote, can't legally mandate that all of the members be all white, apparently... There's no diversity whatsoever. Even the New York Times picked up on this. Membership profile might be defined less by who people are than who they're not. Anyway, uh, apparently they don't have any African-American members. Apparently that's like their tradition. Uh, that's gonna, how, come, how come the NAACP and Congressional Black Caucus stay silent on it? How come they stay silent on Joe Biden? Working with the former Klansman. 800-941-SEAN is our number. All right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show. Thanks for being with us. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. So now that we see record numbers of illegal immigrants flocking to our border, it, now we got rid of stay in Mexico, that policy. We stopped building the border wall. 
Now Governor Abbott of Texas, he's decided to build his own border wall and enforce the laws that Joe and Kamala uh, refused to enforce. Imagine if you imagine if you decided on your own. No, I don't like that law. I'm not going to I'm not going to I'm not going to obey that law. I'm not going to follow that law. And then even taking it a step further. I mean, let's say that you knew people were in this country illegally and you, you decided, let, let me drive you to what city would you like to go to? Wouldn't that be called aiding and a, a and abetting criminal activity? Because we now know in the dark of night as we're headed towards, what, two and a half million illegal immigrants this year at a point we really cannot afford uh, all these people coming into the country. And then uh, when nobody is looking or they think nobody's looking, then they're taking the illegal immigrants and Joe and Kamala are transporting them to the 48 states, dumping people, you know, into towns and cities and states all across the country. And it's become a bigger deal than you would imagine. One of the most outspoken people against this is Tennessee Senator Marsha Blackburn. And she's talked at length about how the Biden administration is moving illegal immigrants all over the country, not even telling the local states that they're doing it. Listen. As you have these communities of illegal migrants coming into cities, what are blue city mayors going to do? They're going to do sanctuary cities. But what the Biden administration is doing is specifically this. They are they have now apprehended 500,000 people at the border from 160 countries. They're putting them on planes and flying them to states without any knowledge of the governors. I've just talked to our governor tonight and the governors don't know it. The local officials don't know it. There are new reports, too, that a lot of child abuse has been occurring, missing illegal minors. That's been occurring. One case in Chattanooga that ran on FoxNews.com. The Senate is now debating the federal takeover of uh, of and not enforcing the laws and among other issues. And Senator Blackburn of Tennessee joins us now. How are you? I am doing well, and thank you for continuing to follow this issue. You're exactly right. In Chattanooga, at one facility, we have a report of sexual abuse of a child that is being investigated. At another facility, we have a missing child. And we know, Sean, that there are 15,000 migrant children who are being housed in these temporary facilities and that HHS and the federal government is really struggling to handle this influx of children. Now, that is the ones that we know are being handled. We also know that there is $530 million that has been funneled to a Texas nonprofit with ties to a former Biden official. So the issue is getting out of control quickly. Okay, so now we have kids missing. Now, your governor, he's a good guy. I, I Actually, when I yes, did a forum is. down in Nashville with governors like Christy Nome and DeSantis and uh, Sununu and, and uh, Kim Reynolds and, and others, um, I got to spend some time with him. And he's tweeted out that the crisis at the border now is is getting really big in his state, your state of Tennessee. Yeah. And now the Republican governors are urging 
Biden and his administration to take immediate action at the southern border, but they're not going to because they're aiding and abetting and facilitating law breaking. Apparently, it's so acceptable to them to pick and choose which laws they want to obey and ignore the ones they don't want to obey. Well, that is right. They are trying to do the pick and choose on this. And I will add to that, they're transferring the cost to your local governments and your state governments because somebody's going to have to pick up the tab for education, health care, child services, social services, and housing for these individuals. So that is why they're putting them on planes, flying them across the country, putting them on buses, and sending them into areas in these different communities. Uh, but, yes, every town's a border town. Every state is a border state because of what is happening with drug trafficking and labor gangs and MS-13 gangs and sex trafficking and drug trafficking, and our mayors and our governors are saying, enough already. We have to get a handle on this. And the federal government to this point has been unresponsive to their request. It's pretty unbelievable. What is the status now of SR1? Um, My understanding is is that Manchin and Cinema are not going to go along with this, nor will they go along with ending the legislative filibuster. Uh, but I'm a trust and verify guy, so I'm not sure what to believe. Well, Cinema has a, an op-ed in the Washington Post today regarding her support for maintaining the filibuster. When it comes to S-1, those are votes we'll have on the floor of the Senate this afternoon, and the Democrats have not been able to reach that 60-vote threshold on this. And quite honestly, I think they've realized that their messaging on this about federalizing elections and mail-in balloting and ballot harvesting and doing away with voter ID, that has fallen flat. So now what they're trying to do is change their messaging and say, if you want to help um, end gerrymandering in congressional districts, you should vote for this. If you want to help get money to counties to help run elections, you should vote for this. Because they realize the American people have uh, figured this one out. We can push it back this time. I'm sure they'll come back with something similar because, you know, it's important for people to realize they have been trying to federalize elections for the past 20 years. And they tried this after the 2016 elections. 2017, uh, we shot that down, but they weren't happy with the outcome of the elections then. They were not happy after 2018. So they tried it then. So After the 2020 elections, they said, well, we won and we want to make ballot harvesting, mail out ballots. We want to make that permanent. And Sean, I think it's important for your listeners to realize ballot harvesting makes it easier to cheat. That is why many states have outlawed the practice of ballot harvesting. Well, you notice what's happening because... For example, in the state of Georgia. Now, let me backtrack. Joe Biden, I think he's he's now represented the state of Delaware by my last count. I need a calculate calculator, but I think it's been about five thousand eight hundred and twenty seven years in that entire time representing Delaware. He never lifted a finger to make voting more accessible in the state of Delaware, Georgia. Their new law that he called Jim Crow 2.0 
And by the way, Stacey Abrams and and people like Raphael Warnock and Joe Biden, you know, they, they literally in one instance cost the entire economy of Georgia a hundred million dollars because Major League Baseball that knows nothing about any of these laws pulled the All-Star game and moved it to Colorado. Uh, and I'm sure it's impacted other businesses as well. But in Georgia, they have 17 days early in-person voting. Uh, they don't have any in Delaware. Uh, in every Georgia precinct, there is a drop box. Uh, they have a photo ID requirement. There's no drop boxes in Delaware. They both have picture ID, uh, voter ID that's necessary to vote. You don't have in in Delaware no excuse absentee balloting. So Joe's laws are far more restrictive than what he calls Jim Crow 2.0 in Georgia. And to me, you know, this is about basic, simple common sense. And the poll that came out yesterday shows that well over 80 percent of the American people support voter ID laws. Well, that is correct. They do support it. And they are opposed to what the Democrats are trying to do. That's why they're trying to change their messaging on this and say, well, this makes it easier to vote. This would help more people to vote. This would automatically register you to vote. This would end gerrymandering because people have said, no, we want to keep voter ID. We do not want ballot harvesting. We want our local election commission to be in control. And you see the Democrats trying to federalize it and take that away. And as I said on the floor yesterday, if you like the efficiency of the IRS, the EPA, and OSHA, you will love federally run elections. You know, where are we now with the infrastructure bill? It's, it appears that they yeah. understand, the Democrats understand, they're not going to get any Republican votes. Uh, there's been this bipartisan committee, but that seems to be rejected now by the, the radical base of the Democratic Party. So now the question is, the you know, how far can they go using the reconciliation process? Uh, because even the Senate parliamentarian says there are a lot of hurdles they've got to jump over to make it acceptable. Well, what is going to happen with that is Republicans have said we are for basic infrastructure. We are all for that. America wants to see a surface transportation bill, an infrastructure bill that deals with roads and rivers and railways and runways. They want to see that. They want to see broadband expansion. What they do not want is what the Democrats are trying to do to say child care and elder care. That's infrastructure. Expanding uh, unions, that's infrastructure. People are smart. They know that that's not true. But Republicans have said, look, We've put offers on the table. We had a $350 billion bill. We had about a $600 billion bill. We got up to about an $800 billion bill, and the Democrats continue to walk away from the table and say, no, they're not going to be for that. They want to change, to have a bill that includes the evolving definition of infrastructure and everything that that encompasses. And you know, we can't afford that. Yeah, we can't afford a lot of what they're proposing here. So at the end of the day, how does this end? You know, Sean, I think that you're going to see us continue to push 
to get a bill that deals with actual infrastructure. And if the Democrats walk away from that, then they're walking away from an infrastructure bill. I think they're going to try to force the issue on their version of infrastructure, which is um, what is it up to now, $2.8 trillion? Look, since he took office, what they're going for is nearly $8 trillion of spending. And what we have to do is go back and remember from George Washington to George Bush, our total debt for this country was $10.6 trillion. Obama and Biden nearly doubled to that. With COVID, we added to that. And the Biden administration in their first five months would push us up over $30 trillion. Uh, if Joe Biden you know, in the dark of night is transporting illegal immigrants into the state of Tennessee, what would prevent the state of Tennessee or any other state from chartering buses and sending the people that they've sent to your state illegally that they expect you to take care of and provide health care and and food and shelter and education uh, what would be what would prohibit you from sending them to Washington and maybe dropping them off at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue? I know that our governors and our state legislatures are working on how they respond to what the administration is doing. And, you know, we have to realize that children that are coming through, these 15,000 children, they are traumatized children, and they require a high level of service. And while these children are in U.S. custody, we do not want these children to be mistreated. But they're they're being mistreated put in Biden's cages. They're being mistreated just dumped in, in states where they know they don't know You're a single right. person. So if, right. if Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are insisting that they won't enforce the federal laws of this country, why don't, why don't we very, you know, graciously and, and protect, we protect the kids and, and put them on buses yes. and offer them food and water and, and maybe get every kid a, a toy and just say, okay, we're taking you to Washington because Joe apparently, uh, forgot his home address because we're not responsible for taking care of you. Well, and as you are aware, Governor Lee, when the federal government called Governor Lee there in Tennessee to ask if they would accept more of the migrant children, they declined that request. But the federal government did it anyway. And I know that our General Assembly and the governor are looking at ways to address this issue and ways to respond. And they have been... Let us know when you find out. But um, we have to run a lot going on in Washington. We'll we'll continue to watch. Senator Blackburn, thanks for being with us. Got it. Thanks. Quick break right back. Your call's on the other side. Straight ahead. All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, Let's say hi to Matthew is in the great state of Michigan. Matthew, hi, how are you? And welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you, Sean. It's it's an honor. Hey, I got a quick question for you. Yes, sir. I was was curious, has yourself thought about maybe running in 2024, you know, 2024 Hannity. 2024 for what? <laughs> what do you want me to run for? <laughs> How about president? Um, Matthew, you must really, really hate me. I wouldn't <laughs> wish that job 
on my worst enemy. Now, now I say that wanting good people to run for office, right? I mean, so it's it's totally, completely, utterly, almost New York Times level hypocrisy for me to say that. But um, I, no, I don't ever think about running for office. My I, my passion, to be very blunt, is doing what I'm doing, and I, I I know, and you are you are so good at it. And I've listened to you for about five years now. I'm 31. I listen to you religiously, and I hear you say that uh, in order to make a change in our country some people who are you know think they maybe they should run and they don't well you have a a very significant fan base and uh i can't think of anything other you know than you that would upset the 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 drive-by media as if you even just contemplated running and uh maybe maybe we should put it out there just to watch them bubble and fizz and and their heads explode (laughs) Um, yeah. you know, I will, let, let me give you just some insight and it's really not about me. Let me, let me talk outside of myself here. It is, I've watched people do this now and I've been in this business on air for 33 years. I love what I do and I have watched the toll that it takes on, on people. And you know, the, I, I talk about, for example, every fireman I've ever met, every pilot I've ever met, every cop I've ever met, um, every paramedic I've ever met, every nurse I've ever met, most teachers, good teachers that I meet. You know, for everybody, it's their calling. It's it's their passion. It's their drive. And many dream of, of doing these things and serving their fellow man that way and knowing in many instances that it's not going to be the profession that makes them the most money in life, but it gives them the, the personal satisfaction of doing these jobs. And, you know, for me, it's always been radio and, and then it became television. Television was a, was a, you know, a freak of nature for me. It just I don't even know how it happened. But the answer to the question is I have a deep respect for people that are willing to put themselves out there, because when you when you enter that arena, it's no holds barred. There's a reason they call it a blood sport, because they will do and say anything about people that are conservatives you know, racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, transphobic, dirty air, water, all that crap. So they do pay a price for it. But when you can, when you do get elected and you can get accomplish great things, it is it's 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 just got to be the best feeling. You know, Reagan did a phenomenal job. If I'm Donald Trump, I'm holding my head high in and the accomplishments that he made in four years you know, taking more that he took on more heat, more lies, more conspiracies than anybody else. So it's hypocritical to say that, you know, I want good people to run. And then people would say, well, why don't you run? This is your passion. Uh, and I just dismiss it. But, you know, at, at this point in my life, I've never thought about it. I don't know, but I do have a great respect for people in any profession that are called to do something of service. Because I believe this is a job of service. This, you're supposed to be a public servant. And when people do it well, it has a profound impact on, on the rest of us. So I, I, I put great importance on it. If, if that, in a roundabout way, answers your question. Then I have other people that I have no respect for. They do it only because they, they want positions of power. And there's a lot of those Agreed. people, too. You know, what do you yeah. do for a living? I, I Actually, right now, I am installing a furnace and an air conditioner for a lovely family in a uh, town just outside of where I live. Uh, what time are you done? Can you make it to my... Um, it seems like I have workers at my house like every day. There's always something breaking around here. 
Um, but no, yeah, yeah, but yeah. you know what? Think about it. You know, you, you and I tell this to my kids because let me tell you a recent story, and, and maybe this will illuminate things for you. So my son graduates college. He's now, you know, he's he's got his own little business with his friends, and the, it's actually doing very well. I'm proud of him. And I just said, and he goes, Dad, well, I, I noticed that the money that you would put in my account when I was in college, you know, that I used, you said I can have unlimited Uber. And I and you'll never you'll never get mad at me for the food that I buy. I got You know, your kids got to eat. I want to. I prefer my kids in Ubers rather than, you know, driving, especially if they're out somewhere. So and then I said, yeah, that's right. I said, if you want to order that Starbucks that you pay five bucks for and then fifteen dollars for the delivery, of the Starbucks, if you use Grubhub or Uber Eats, I said, you're free to do it. But now you pay for it. You're working. He's like, but, but dad, this is going to change my, my life. I said, well, I, I make my own coffee. It's called Keurig. Get a Keurig machine. Um, and then when he gets his, then when he looks at his, you know, the amount of taxes he's paying, he goes, he goes, dad, I had no idea. They take half my money. I'm like, yep. That's what I've been preaching for years. Um, yeah, reality yeah, catches yeah, up. It's a real wake up call. Oh yeah, I mean it's actually a joke between us, but um, I want good people to run. You've been called to do what you do. You're providing. Everybody needs to do something. We're we're born to serve other people. Now I'm all in favor of finding something you're good at that you also love to do because you're going to spend decades of your life working, so you might as well enjoy it. And yeah, I and I yeah. hope you take satisfaction out of your work. Go ahead. Yeah, um, like I like I said, I'm an I'm an HVAC and I'm also a plumber. I've been doing it since I was 20 years old. And the, my favorite thing about the place where I work is we have a sign on the lobby when you walk in, and it says, "This is the house that service built." And uh, and I just I get goosebumps when I think about that sign because we are in the, you know the public services. And I you know to be honest with you, I can't think. I I hope Trump runs again. Uh, but if if you did. You would have support behind you, like, I mean, I don't know if you truly understand what you, what you do for this country. If we didn't have guys like you and and Rush Limbaugh, um, then you know the the country just wouldn't be the same. And you have a very very, very powerful voice. I want to leave this country better than than I found it. Well, you know, we're the first generation that is risking handing off the country to our kids and grandkids and worse shape in which we inherited it. We can't let that happen. Uh, God bless you. Thank you for all you do, my uh, Matthew. Appreciate you being with us. Uh, Larry's in Tennessee. What's up, Larry? How are you, my friend? It's an honor to talk to you, sir. Uh, I am a truck driver, and as yes, a lot of people call it, unskilled labor. Uh, By the way, that, that is total bull Adam Schiff. That's total BS. <laughs> Because let me uh, tell you something, yep. uh, 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 driving that 18-wheeler is not easy. Uh, you're on the road long hours. And by the way, what you do is important because everything we buy in every store is there because of you. So thank you for what you do. I appreciate that. Yeah, I run to El Paso, Texas, and back once a week. Uh, I run about 3,500 miles a week. I leave Monday morning and get home Saturday morning. And I'm a vet, and I guess I've got the attention to detail disorder that some vets have. They've got a border checkpoint out on I-10 west of Sierra Blanca, Texas. You can look it up on Google Maps. You can see it. Uh, it's on the eastbound side of the interstate, and they route cars and big trucks off into this thing. I contact and ask if you're a U.S. citizen. They've got a gamma ray scan machine for trucks. 
It's been shut down for the last two weeks, dude. Huh? Nobody the, there. Nobody there. And usually that would check for what? If if there were drugs or or human smuggling going on, they'd be able to catch it. Yeah, they got canines standing out there. You know, the canines hit on the odor. They got canines standing out there, and border patrol just everywhere. But the last two weeks, I'll be back out through there Thursday on my way back to El Paso. Right. To see if it's the third week in a row, but it's Bubba. They, it's shut down. They ain't nobody. Now, there. do you own your own and truck, or do you work for a trucking company? I work for a big company that builds underground furniture. Think about it, and you'll get a kick out of it. But well, yeah. let me ask you this: do you, you you've got to like being alone. And I don't know what the limit is today. They had changed it during COVID. How many hours a day are you allowed to drive before you have to have downtime? You're allowed to drive 11 hours. You're allowed to work 14, and then you have to take a 10-hour break. Okay. I spend, and I spend five nights in my truck. I sleep more in my truck than I do my home bed. Wow. Um, do you, what, how do you, how, obviously you have to focus on your work and, and driving safely, et cetera, but what do you like about being alone for that long a period of time? I ain't got nobody putting their thumb on my neck, boss. <laughs> okay, you just sold me on that job. I like that job. You totally sold me. Um, well, it shut down. If I had to guess why, I would say it's probably because all the resources are, are now being being absorbed into taking in all these illegal immigrants. That's my guess. Is that a Absolutely. good guess? They moved their, they moved their assets down yep. the border because... Between there and El Paso, it's probably 80 miles from there to El Paso. And I-10, when you get by the checkpoint going west, when you come off of a big hill, you can look to the left and actually see the border. I mean, you can sit there with a 50, and if somebody was mean enough, and sit there and pot shot vehicles all day long. Wow. I mean, that's how close the border is. And it's commonplace out there. And, and the cartels know, the gangs through. know, the human traffickers, drug traffickers, they know that it's wide open, so they take full advantage. Yeah, I, I mean, you've been to El Paso. You know how close yeah. the border is to El Paso proper out there. It's right there. It's right there. I've been there. Um, but, <laughs> well, listen, uh, more but, importantly for you, drive safe. Thanks for all you do. And, you know, I used to complain when I was on the road, you know, driving next to a truck in a heavy rain, and, you, you know, you're trying to pass the truck because you guys drive the speed limit. At that point in my life, I didn't. Now I do. Anyway, and y you know, it's very hard to pass an 18-wheeler in a torrential downpour uh, when, you're, when your windshield is being flooded because of the truck tires that are so big. But stay safe on the road, my friend, and thanks for what you do. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. All right, back to our busy phones. Kim in New York. What's up, Kim? How are you? John, pleasure to speak with you. Pleasure's all mine. Glad you called. And by the way, your, one of your previous callers wants you to um, run for president. I vote yeah. for you, although I'm in New York, so it might be a you know wasted vote. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a wasted vote. Um, but you know, check out the rules. I'm 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 getting closer every day. I got to get out of here because you, and and it's 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 a lot of factors. High taxes is one. Burdensome regulation is two. Uh, New York City's not safe. Defunding dismantling police departments, no bail laws. I mean, it's like the wild, wild west out here now. And it's, it's true, and, yeah. and I'm a target because there are people that look at me and apparently get offended just by seeing my face. 
Exactly, exactly. Um, so the reason I called is I happened to catch the White House announcement yesterday about the child tax stimulus coming in July. Right. And I guess it's a, a, a monthly payment to people with children under 17. And, um, Sean, it's a lot of money. They're just giving out. It's uh, like a minimum of $250 up to maybe about 1000 per month. And, um, you know, it's based on how many kids you have. And, of course, I won't qualify for it, but you can be sure I'm paying for it. <laughs> so well, mm-hmm. how long can this keep going on? All this free money is being given out. And people like me in the middle class, I'm paying for it, but I'm getting no benefit of it. The, the biggest lie that Joe Biden is te- telling is is that, well, the, if you to make under $400,000 a year, you're not paying taxes. Well, point one, it's $400,000 per couple. The next thing right. is, is inflation, you know, up 5%. That means we're paying more for everything. The next tax is the price of energy going through the roof. We're all paying more for everything we buy, more to heat and cool our homes and fill our tanks. And mm-hmm. and then the next tax is the corporate tax that is going to raise dramatically because corporations will pass that on to us as well. So it's a, you know, and there was an article on Fox Business, you know, 60% of Americans are all going to be paying more just on the tax side, never mind the inflation and energy factor that everybody's going to be impacted by. Right. I mean, it's t- it's yeah. terrible. You get the last word. I got to run. Thanks. Any of the cover of uh, the mainstream media is going to report it. They, they don't because they they are the biggest advocates and the press wing of, of the new Green Deal Democratic Socialist. I mean, that's all they are. They're useless. They're just propagandists. God bless, God bless you, too. Appreciate the call. Quick break. Right back. Coming up next, our final news roundup and information overload hour. All right, news roundup, information overload hour. Uh, Toll free, our number is 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Now, I think New York, I don't think there's really any doubt about it, cutting a billion dollars from the New York Police Department. Uh, New York State getting and adopting what they call no bail laws, meaning you get arrested for robbing a bank. You get set free. You don't pay any bail. You can rob another bank. You'll get set free again. You rob another bank, get set free again. There's one guy, I think he robbed five, six, or seven banks. Uh, Curtis Sliwa is now running to be the next mayor in the state of New York. Today's primary day uh, in the mayor's race. That election will take place in November. Uh, I've known Curtis for a long time. And uh, Curtis, I think, is the by far the front runner for the Republican nomination in New York. If you look at the newspapers, they only really cover the Democratic side. It's an uphill battle for any Republican to win any office in New York City or state. And uh, my old friend joins us now. Sir, how are you? The rock ribbed all American <laughs> conservative voice of reason from Franklin Square, Long Island. Thank you, Sean. Thank you for throwing me that lifeline because today you are right. It's primary day for the Republican Party. If I become the nominee, you know me, Sean. You used to see me while driving around in the streets of New York City. I you did. You me up at 2, 3 in the morning. You said, Curtis, you should be at home. I drove I said, no, you I home it. once at like three uh, to 2.30 in the morning. You had to be up at 3.30 to do your morning show. That's right. And I was thumping thugs, fighting crime. <laughs> yeah. I tell your audience. There was a time Sean was kind enough to come to a Guardian Angel fundraiser 
and we got stuck in the tunnel. We did. And I looked at Sean, and I said, Sean, come on, follow me into the tunnel. Sean says, I love you, Curtis, but I don't love you that much. <laughs> I did. So what Curtis wanted me to do is get off the subway car, and there's this little narrow piece of, you know, walkway. You know, if, if the subway starts moving, you literally have to make yourself as skinny as possible so you don't get run over by the subway. And we did this. Look, um, I think you're going to win today. I think you're going to get the nomination. I want you to get the nomination. I've endorsed your candidacy. I don't know if you've heard about it, but I have. And um, and we've been wanting to get you on the program now for a while. If you do get this nomination, I can tell the people in New York one thing. New York City will be safer. The, the police will be refunded. I've heard you in interviews say it often. You will refund the police, not defund the police. Well, in fact, Sean, uh, the best mayor we ever had in our life, you know him well, I know him well, Rudy Giuliani, endorsed me yesterday and said Curtis Lee was the right man at the right time to bring law and order back to the city, as Rudy did back in 1993. And he attributed my help and the Guardian Angels' help to him returning the city to a point where it had safe streets, safe subways, safe parks, and safe schools. And he wanted to return the favor. He endorsed me. And I must tell you, Sean, when you endorsed me yesterday on your national radio show, there wasn't a place I could go when people were saying, Hey, Sean Hannity just endorsed you, Curtis. Thumbs up. I'm so appreciative because you know what it's like in those streets. You know what it's like in the subways. You've ridden it. You've walked the streets. And you know how dangerous the city has become again. Not only do we need to refund the police, Sean, we're going to hire 3,000 more police. We're going to take the handcuffs off of the police, put them back on the criminals. And there is something that's happening across the nation. I don't think many of your listeners and people in general understand. Elected officials, mostly Democrats, are stripping police of what they call qualified immunity. That will force them to have to go out and get personal police malpractice insurance like a doctor or a lawyer would. No other civil servants have had that stripped from them. Elected officials, judges, DAs. Look at Andrew Cuomo, responsible for the killing of thousands of the elderly in the long-term health care facilities that he assigned them to when he took them from the hospitals with COVID-19 and put them back in the senior citizen homes. He's protected by qualified immunity. He can't be sued personally, but now police officers can. And the day I get elected... Qualified immunity will return to every police officer and law enforcement agent in New York City because you've got to take the back of the cops or they're not going to be able to take back the streets, the subways, and the parks. What will happen, Curtis, if they take indemnification away from police, it's a, it's a predictable result. Every criminal that gets arrested will sue the officer personally. There's no cop that will be able to afford the onslaught of lawsuits against them nobody will go into policing it will it will you forget about defunding it will dismantle every department in the entire country you know the thing about you is this this has been your passion fighting crime for decades how did you how did you decide that this is what you had to do with your life Look, we live in America, the land of the free, the home of the brave. And when the criminals control the streets, 
when you have Democrats running for the mayoralty of the city of New York suggesting that we take guns from the cops and not take guns away from the criminals, then you have to stand and fight for what you know is right. You know me, Sean. I've always believed in prove, don't move. To any of the New York City residents who've left, I've always said, hey, you're New Yorkers. I understand why you've left. It's just too much crime. The quality of life is diminished. But give me a chance to rescue this city, resuscitate this city, resurrect this city with safe streets, safe subways. And then I'm going to ask you, if nothing more, to come back, spend your money, visit your family and friends, invest in businesses. So the key here is how were you raised? My father and mother, Sean, who you met, raised me to believe that it's us and we, not I and me. And remember last summer, last summer you pointed to it, when the anarchists, when Antifa and Black Lives Matter was looting and shooting in the streets of New York City, when Macy's and Herald Square bought up all the plywood from Home Depot and the other stores did too, de Blasio, who single-handedly has destroyed this city that I love and you love, Sean, he ordered the police to stand back. I ordered the guardian angels with myself to crawl into the belly of the beast. And remember, for two days we fought them. We didn't let them vandalize property. They didn't steal product. They assaulted people. They broke my jaw. They seriously injured other guardian angels. But, Sean, I'm so proud of the guardian angels. We took that stand. We didn't surrender. We didn't retreat. And other neighborhoods got on board and started a fight to keep Antifa and Black Lives Matter marauders and violators and shooters and looters out of their neighborhoods. I had Comrade de Blasio on TV one night, and I kept asking him a question. Now, he came into the studio. He had four armed uh, police detectives with him, and I asked him a simple question. I said, Mr. Mayor, should every New Yorker be able to protect themselves with firearms in, in their home as you are protected? And his answer was, Every New Yorker has the right to be safe. I said, I didn't ask you if they have the right to be safe. That, that should be standard. I asked if every New Yorker should, if they choose, if they qualify. In other words, they, they don't have a criminal history, uh, issues involving psychiatric problems. Should they have the same right as you to protect themselves in their home with a firearm? New York City has some of the most restrictive firearm laws in the entire country. I ask you, Curtis, if mayor... Would New Yorkers, should they have the right to protect themselves in, the, in their homes and in their businesses? Absolutely, especially if they've already been victimized. Sean, you remember the date, June 19th of 1992. Uh, I passed through Howard Beach, Queens on Saturday, campaigning on a political float, festooned with posters and the old-fashioned red, white, and blue bunting. But I stopped at the location, the John Gotti Sr. and John Gotti Jr., and the Cambino crime family planned my demise. You remember, they shot me with five hollow-point bullets, and I was lucky to survive. You see, people get victimized, but good people are not permitted to have carry permits, are not permitted to have a weapon on their premises, particularly if they have a business. But criminals can shoot me with five hollow-point bullets and get away with it. And you end up with comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, who smokes too much Maui Raui and Hindu Kush at night. He's in a drug-induced psychosis, surrounded by the very armed police officers he's defunded. Sean, I promise you this. 
I'm going to tell the cops who assigned to me when I'm mayor, look, go out and protect the people who need to be protected. If the people have the police defunded, I will have them defunded. And let's face it, Sean, if I need armed security officers from the NYPD, I should retire to Boca Raton, the sixth borough of the city of New York, or get a job hanging wallpaper. We continue with my chosen candidate, the guy I've endorsed, and that's Curtis Sliwa. You know, the politics are what they are in New York City. You've seen, as I've witnessed, and in many ways it's sad, a mass exodus out of not only New York City, but out of New York State because of high taxation and in large part because of quality of life issues. We even have the squeegee men back, uh, according to all these reports I'm reading. But the question is, you know, there might be the time, even though Democrats outnumber what Republicans nine to one in New York City. I mean, it's going to be an uphill battle for any Republican. But Rudy Giuliani ran on this exact same platform you're outlining here, and he won, and he got reelected. And he got reelected because the policies worked, and people want safety and security. If you don't have safety and you don't have security, as you know, Curtis, you don't have a chance to pursue happiness, do you? No, and I found the route to victory because I will also be registered on an independent line in the general election. Because, you know, some Democrats will just never, ever, ever vote for a Republican. And I have a unique platform that's never been done before in New York City. Sean, you're a dog lover, an animal lover. And there are many of your listeners who love their cats and dogs, sometimes even more than their kids, their husbands, their wives, their grandparents, (laughs) their parents. I have 15 rescue cats in a 320-square-foot apartment in the Upper West Side that I share with my wife, Nancy. Oh, my gosh. 15 cats? Yes. You, but they you, it's like you've become the, the, the crazy cat you know, guy from uh, the Guardian Angels. I didn't know you had 15 of them. Yeah, well, because each of them, Sean, would have been euthanized. The shelters well, will I'll actually kill them within yeah. 72 hours if people don't come and adopt them. And when I'm mayor, there's going to be no kill shelters, no dog, no cat is going to be euthanized because we're going to find them a home of their own. We're going to find them men and women who want to take them into their homes and give them a good life. You know, that's a come. By the way, I totally agree with you. We shouldn't be euthanizing them. I totally agree with you. Right. And that's why if people are interested in more information, not just the law and order that I'm known for, they should go to CurtisSlewaForMayor.com, CurtisSlewaForMayor.com, because you know, Sean, as a Republican, I can go into neighborhoods where the only Republican they've ever seen is Abraham Lincoln on a $5 bill. Oh, man, that's cold. Listen, I support fully your, your candidacy. Um, I know your odds are pretty good today. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that everybody gets out in the primary today. Uh, it's happening today in New York City. And on the Republican independent line, you can vote for Curtis Lee for mayor. Vote, get him on the ticket. And it's going to be it's New York will have another shot at coming back if if law and order and safety and security are restored. You will do it. I have every confidence you'll do it. I think you'd be a great mayor. Um, I love your platform on animals, taxes, every other issue. Uh, We're wishing you the best today and the best in November, assuming you win today and you move on to the general election. And the best thing, Sean, that critical race theory will never see the light of day in the public school systems of New York City, where I have three sons, 
Anthony in high school, Carter in junior high school, and Hunter in elementary school. No critical race theory. Polls are open in New York City until 9 o'clock. There's no excuse not to get to the polls. Curtis, uh, you know what? I think back in, in all our years together, we had we, we, we work with some wonderful people. Even our, our friend Ron. I mean, you can't not love the guy. Uh, you've had incredible success all throughout your career. This would be a great next step for you. We're pulling for you today, pulling for you in the general election, and, and we'll be following the race closely, and we wish you the best today and the best uh, in November. Thanks for all the tactical air support. And guess what? When I win as mayor, guess who's going to be MC at City Hall? You, Sean Hannity. <laughs> Rock, you know what? You're probably the only person that would be. Franklin Square, Long Island. Oh, man. For you, I'd do it. You're probably the only person on earth that could get me to do it, but I'll do it. All right, Curtis, good luck today, and uh, we'll be looking forward to the race uh, that comes in November. It's going to get interesting. Thank you, sir. Thanks for the tactical air support, Sean. 800-941-SEAN, our number. When we come back, wide open phones. 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program you know, Democrats like, oh, Stacey Abrams and, let's see, Joe Biden has stopped calling the Georgia law Jim Crow 2.0. Raphael Warnock is acting like uh, he's he's never said things about uh, this being akin to Jim Crow. Yeah, uh, all of that is based on a lie. We had a poll out yesterday. And unfortunately for Democrats, yeah, it turns out that the American people, 91 percent of Republicans, 87 percent of independents, 62 percent of Democrats, according to the Monmouth University poll, they all think that voter ID uh, needs to be standard so we can have integrity and confidence in our elections. Eighty four percent of minorities in America, they, too, support uh, voter ID laws. So, you know, the Jim Crow 2.0 that they were all saying months ago uh, doesn't exist. We've highlighted the most restrictive laws in states like, oh, Joe's state of Delaware. Uh, now Democrats are claiming, oh, no, I'm, we've never we've never said these things. What are you talking about? We never claimed any such thing. Well, let's listen. We we can remind people of Democrats attacking voter ID. What I mean by rigged is this. We have a right to vote in the United States that is afforded to eligible American citizens. But we have seen over the last 20 years a constriction on who has the right to use that right. We have seen it through voter ID laws. You can't get on the rolls, and if you get on the rolls, you can't stay. These laws are a blast from the Jim Crow past, and they have no place in 21st century America. Discriminatory laws and laws that were designed to suppress folks' rights to vote. Instituting photo ID laws that, on the surface, sound good. If you poll the average American, they'll say, yeah, well, well but in practice, it, uh, that's not always easy to do. At the moment, what's going on about voting rights is downright evil. With these unnecessary and unjustifiable voter ID laws. It becomes a poll tax because you don't know what form of ID the government will ask you. The other restriction well, that I... a poll tax? It's, how do you call it? How do you say it's a it's poll tax? It's a modern-day poll tax. When they're trying to make voting harder and harder... Dealing with these voter ID laws. This is not about voter verification. This is about voter suppression. You've suggested that voter suppression is more insidious now in 2019 than it was even in the 60s. 
How so? We have always struggled with voter suppression. Republicans claim they're making it easier to vote and harder to cheat in an election. In reality, they're making it harder to vote and easier to cheat in an election. And we all know it. It is the most pernicious thing. This makes Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle. Yeah. Oh, okay. Now, we've laid out the details of this. Americans want integrity in the election process. There's five things I've identified that must be done in every state if we want confidence and results. One is voter ID. Two is signature verification. Three are chain of custody controls. Four is, well, just makes sense, updating voter rolls every election. And number five, most states have statutory language that says that partisan observers have the right to observe the count from start to finish. It's not that complicated. It's not that hard. You know, President Sippy Cup, you know, he's calling the law in Georgia Jim Crow 2.0. Well, they have 17 days of early in-person voting in Georgia, zero in Delaware. They have drop boxes in every precinct in, in Georgia, zero in Delaware. Uh, they allow no excuse absentee balloting in Georgia. They don't have that in Delaware. I mean, both states require voter ID. Joe Biden, he's represented, what, Delaware 5,879 years? He's never lifted a finger to make voting more accessible in the state of Georgia. Now all these politicians are lying and acting as though they didn't say the things that they said. There's a reason Major League Baseball, they were dumb, they were ignorant to do it, but the reason that they pulled the All-Star game out of, it, out of Atlanta, out of Georgia, and moved it to Colorado was because of statements by Raphael Warnock, Stacey Abrams, and Joe Biden referring to this as Jim Crow 2.0. You know, now all of a sudden they're saying, well, no, we, we want voter ID. Well, I have Stacey Abrams flip-flopping on the issue. We'll let you decide if she took a different position now. Redux of a failed system that is designed to both scare people out of voting and make it harder for those who are willing to push through, make it harder for them to vote. Just give me a list of the provisions that you objected. It shortens the federal runoff period from nine weeks to four weeks. Okay. It restricts the time a voter can request and return an absentee ballot application. Right. It requires that a voter have a photo identification or some other form of identification that they're willing to surrender in order to participate in the absentee ballot um, process. That's one of the fallacies of Republican talking points that have been deeply disturbing. No one has ever objected to having to prove who you are to vote. It's been part of our nation's history since the inception of voting. Oh, makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Who would not want integrity in the voting process? Why is it that you need a picture ID to get into the White House, Joe's White House? You need a picture ID to get into the Capitol. You need a picture ID to get into the Democratic National Convention. You need one to buy a pack of cigarettes or a jewel pod or a six pack of beer or a bottle of wine uh, in this country. I mean, it's essential for just about everything. You need a picture ID, driver's license to drive a car in the United States. But you don't need one for voting. You, you, you want ballot harvesting where, where political groups can pick up massive quantities of ballots and we're going to trust them to deliver them uh, in a way that that what ensures some integrity. Are there not people that would have nefarious intentions that might be involved in such activities? Anyway, Jason Sneed is with us, executive director for the Honest Elections Project. He's here to break down the status of H.R. 1 and S.R. 1 and the hypocrisy. 
that has been put forth by Joe Biden and Stacey Abrams and Raphael Warnock. He's saying that SR1, just like HR1, puts elections at risk. It's unwise, unnecessary. I agree with him. It's unconstitutional because it weakens election safeguards. You know, it's the, the time and manner and place of elections is to be determined constitutionally by state legislatures, not by people in Washington. Anyway, he uh, is here to discuss the status of this bill. Seems like now that polling shows that the majority of Americans and the majority of minorities, 81 percent, support voter ID laws as a as a basic measure uh, that Democrats now are acting as though they never made these claims. Your reaction? Well, I certainly think that a lot of this is being driven by the polling results. And uh, there's nothing new about these polling results. We've known time and again for years that most Americans actually want you to show a photo ID when you cast a ballot. They know if I had to show an ID to buy a beer, to board an airplane, or just this past year to get a vaccine that could you know, save you from, from COVID, you have to show ID. So why is it okay then, but it's repugnant to ask for one to vote? It's just common sense. And, you know, most Americans favor that. In fact, in polling that we did, we saw that huge majorities of black and Hispanic and low-income voters favored this. These are the folks that Stacey Abrams say are the victims of these laws. Well, they actually like them. And even most Joe Biden voters in 2020 like these laws, too. So this just goes to show the left is way out of step with most Americans. Uh, yeah, I think that's true. Now, I mentioned five specific things that I think are needed to have voter integrity and integrity in the election process and, and confidence in the results. Is there anything you'd add to what I said? I think that uh, I think you're right on the money in terms of some of the most basic provisions. We have to be able to show voters that they should have confidence in our election system, confidence in the results. And the best way to win their trust is to create transparency and accountability, to make sure that you've got voter ID, to make sure that you've got safeguards for absentee ballots, that you've got full chain of custody and full transparency in the process. What we're seeing is that a lot of states are adopting laws that do all of those things and more. You know, they're working to make it easier to vote and harder to cheat. And they're getting attacked in the most outlandish terms by the left because the left doesn't want to fight about the issues. They don't want to fight about the particulars because they understand these things are basic, best practices and very popular. So they want to try to distract everyone and knock people off message and try to convince you that what states are doing is trying to make it harder to vote. And I just don't think that's working. Most people know that it is actually easier to vote now than it has ever been. But we can't sacrifice security for access. Protecting the right to vote means you have to have both uh, access to the ballot box and integrity for the election process. I mean, it's got, it's gotten so bad. L- listen to Chucky Schumer. I mean, he's such a phony. Republicans are trying to make it harder for black churchgoers to vote on Sunday. Lie. Republicans are making it harder to vote, easier to cheat in an election. Republican legislatures are making it easier to own a gun than to vote. Republican legislatures are making it harder to vote early, harder to vote by mail, harder to vote after work. They're making it a crime to give food or water to voters waiting in long lines. They're trying to make it harder for black churchgoers to vote on Sunday. And they're actually making it easier for unelected judges and partisan election boards to overturn the results of an election, opening the door for some demagogue, a Trumpian-type demagogue, maybe he himself, 
to try and subvert our elections in the very same way that Trump tried to do it in 2020. We all know what these laws are about. I dare say my Republican colleagues know. They're not stupid. When the state of Texas proposes to limit voting hours on Sunday to only a few hours in the evening, do they really believe that's about preventing fraud? Do my Senate friends want to back up that kind of thing? Prevent it from even being talked about here on the floor of the Senate? When Georgia Republicans say it's a crime to give a voter some water or food as they wait in line on a hot day, do they really think they're preventing voter fraud by denying them a snack? Give me a break. Give me a break. <clears throat> Republicans across the country are deliberately targeting all the ways that younger, poorer, non-white, and typically Democratic voters access the ballot. Republicans claim they're making it easier to vote and harder to cheat in an election. In reality, they're making it harder to vote and easier to cheat in an election. And we all know it. Well, just the opposite is true, Chucky. You know, the, the two things that they most hate or, or seemingly hate the most are voter ID and signature verification. Um, without those two, can we ever have integrity in elections? Well, I think that you need to have voter identification laws in place. They are an absolutely essential, very basic safeguard. And they should be applied to absentee ballots, too. You know, that's the policy that Georgia just put into place. That's the policy that Florida just put into place and Texas was considering until the Democrats walked out. And there are lots of reasons why you want to have voter ID for in-person and absentee voting. Not only does it prove that you are who you say you are, which is a very basic thing, but in the absentee context, if you fold this into signature matching, you're bringing in an objective data point. You know, signature matching is subjective, and there can be mistaken uh, mismatches that lead to ballots getting rejected. And actually, that happens disproportionately to minority voters. So asking for an ID for an absentee ballot actually makes it more likely that minority voters can trust that their absentee ballots are going to be processed. But I, I think this is an essential safeguard. I think there is no reason that every state should not have these laws. We know most people have ID. States give away free IDs, and this does not stop anyone from, from casting a ballot, but it does build confidence in our election system, and that strengthens our democracy. Uh, we really appreciate your time. We're going to watch very closely. Last question I have, and I get asked off, often, with these audits going on in states like Arizona and Georgia, now Pennsylvania, I think, is following suit. Wisconsin is talking about it. At this late date, let's say that they find anomalies that, that would dramatically uh, change the outcome. Do you see or know of any remedy that would be available to Donald Trump? Because I don't see a constitutional remedy. I don't see a, a legal remedy on the surface. Um, nor do I think the Democrats that are in charge would have any appetite to even accept the results. I, I'm not aware of any remedies myself either. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm keeping an open mind when it comes to the results of these audits. But I, I, I will say that I think that uh, just going forward on an ongoing basis, we should have full professional pre- and, and post-election audits again, to build transparency and to build confidence that the results of elections are, in fact, the results that voters chose and that there were not any irregularities. You want to stop fraud and you want to build confidence in our election system. All right. We really appreciate you being with us. Jason Sneed, 800-941-SEAN is our number if you want to be a part of the program. All right. That's going to wrap things up for today. Hannity at nine. You don't want to miss tonight's show. Let's put it this way. 
I have questions for the New York Times and their Pulitzer Prize winning uh, writers over there. Um, starting with, are they going to return their fake Pulitzer? Well, full coverage of this, Joe Concha, Greg Jarrett, Senator Mike Lee, Lindsey Graham, Tammy Bruce, Larry Elder, and you'll meet Jacob Clark. Remember the guy resigning from the Portland Police Rapid Response Team? Yeah, it's uh, happening everywhere. Defund, dismantle, not good. 9 Eastern, Hannity tonight. See you then. Back here tomorrow. Thanks for being with us. You make this show possible.